social media outside the US, what is up? Are you interested in joining our content team? Are you a creator? Join Team Gary and the rest of my Vayner universe. Could be VFriends, could be Vayner Media, could be Team Gary. Link in bio, fill out the application. Can't wait. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Gary, we are back. I'm so happy to be back. Everybody's back in the office today. This is, it's, uh, it, feel, it feels good. I didn't realize how much I missed it. I agree. It's been really fun. All right. So today we're going to focus on B2B and we're going to kick it off with the queen bee of B2B, Ty Heath, who runs the B2B Institute at LinkedIn. She ran a fabulous seminar at Cannes. Um, and a quick fun fact about Ty that I did not know she was a two-time Olympic trials qualifier in the 800 meters. And that's, I was just telling her, I think that's the hardest race. You got to go a long time and really fast, which is, I think that says a lot about our tie. So can't wait to hear what you got to lay down, tie. Thank you. Big facts. Thanks for having me. The 800 meter is a full sprint, folks. It's a full sprint. <laughs> that's real stuff, Ty. That's real stuff. <laughs> How are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing well. It's good to be here. I, I love this. We're focusing on B2B today. Uh, it's I'm passionate about it. So thanks for well, having me. Of course. Let's talk about that. B2B is obviously, actually, before I do that, big shout out to Adam Meeks, uh, Mohammed Sultan, uh, Jim Michael on LinkedIn, Jennifer C on Facebook. we got a bunch of people in here. Uh, Davey Paul on Facebook. Um, we talk a lot about B2C, the world does, because we know about Starbucks and Nike, that we live through it. The B2B landscape is, you know, it's funny, I'm also very passionate. I, and I'm very passionate about where you happen to be now, so this will be easy for me. I continue to be frustrated with B2B marketing around the world. We have a lot of B2B inquiries, a lot of B2B clients, and you know, they're just overly comfortable on running a print ad in their industry magazine, overly comfortable spending ungodly amounts of money on trade shows that they've been going to for 20 years, they're not acquiring any new companies, customers, excuse me, they know, <laughs> they all those people at those trade shows already know who those people are, and yet they continue to underinvest in modern marketing, whether that is making original programming on podcasts or shows, and the place that I, you know, you know, for everybody's watching, uh, I've been saying this loud and proud for five years, so I'm not trying to make Thai feel nice, though it's a nice byproduct. I am blown away how people have not figured out that media and creative on LinkedIn, the way they think about Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and Snap and others, is the greatest opportunity for B2B companies in the world. And so I, when, we, when I knew we were doing this, I said to the team, I'm like, just make sure LinkedIn's there because that's, you know, there's so many, Fortune 5,000 B2B CMOs watching right now, but looking at the comments, there's a ton of service providers, one-shop lawyers, accountants, kind of that SMB B2B audience that is heavy in here, and I financial advisors, and I want them to understand the opportunity in the space. Yeah, LinkedIn is major for B2B. It is a platform where you can reach customers, employees, leaders, shareholders, it's it's the platform for B2B, honestly. Uh, so I'm really glad that you're doing my job, Gary, here, <laughs> telling the audience about it. And in regard to what you said about the opportunity for B2B, I, you know, wherever there's a challenge, wherever there's a gap, there's an opportunity. So I'm really excited about 
B2B marketers really grasping investment in creative, the investment in brand. I think it's really exciting. And there are a lot of these major brands that a lot of people don't know about are B2B, right? So I think there's a huge future. I think fast forward a year from now, and, I, and I'm thinking it's like a different conversation. That's my hope, Gary. What, um, what are the biggest misconceptions and or um, opportunities in the way we set this up today, which is building brand and business and B2B? Yeah, I think the, one of the foundational things to remember is, you know, if you think about what our job as a marketer is, it is to build memories, right? We want people to be thinking about our brands. We want to be remembered. More often than not, the brand that's remembered is the brand that's bought. So marketers are actually in the memory business. And what B2B marketers can start thinking about a little bit more is how do you link your brand to relevant buying situations. So in our B2B Institute research, we're a think tank, we work with leading academics and practitioners to investigate how marketers can create value. We work with this uh, wonderful organization called the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, and they have this concept called category entry points. And these are when buyers enter the market. And so we want when buyers enter the market that our brands are the ones that come to mind. And if your customers don't know your brand when they enter the market, then it's already too late. So one, I think going back to what you said about misconceptions, it's what business are we in memory? So that means investment in creativity. Uh, and then I think the other big one is, you know, the, the balance of brand to demand and how we're investing in that. It, the B2B Institute, we have this, a franchise called B2B Trends for the Contrarian Marketer. And a key trend to take a look at, folks, is one called the 95-5 rule. 95-5. 95-5 rule. And, you know, taking it back to like the funnel, the marketing funnel, which is one of the most recognized mental models for marketing of all time. You know, the misconception is that, you know, there's the awareness stage, the consideration stage. We put that to the side. What we believe is that buyers are either in market or out market for your business. And so the funnel, the, the problem with the funnel is it leads marketers to believe that you're responsible for placing can, can people I, can, in can market. I, can I ask yes. you something on that before sure. I lose you here? Because I know these go so fast. For the yeah. There's a lot of normals in here, maybe weren't classically trained. Let me ask you a question on that. Where do you think relevance falls in, right? You know, yes. I think the biggest issue in marketing is people make one video TV mm -hmm. and it's completely vanilla because they're trying to reach everybody. And for everyone, me and you, and for Seth Leroy and Flavio A and Karen GP and you know, Tim G right now, it's hard for that advertising to mean something to us because it has no teeth. It has no relevance. It doesn't speak to me. It doesn't say, hey, did you grow up an immigrant selling lemonade? Then I'm like, whoa. I want to buy that car. I want like, you know, like it doesn't even stop us to your mm -hmm. point in market, not the, the issue is for coffee, for, for sneakers, they're always in market potentially to your point in B2B land, especially bigger company, you go to fortune 500 land. It's once every three years, it's once every year. Right. But, but to me, right. where I, the work, the creative doesn't have enough relevance, specific truths to it, thus rendering it 
to a place where B2B companies are more sales organizations, not marketing organizations. Right. Thoughts? Right. Well, you know, the key is you want to be remembered in the first place. That's the first hurdle to get over. So you want to think about what we call relevant buying situations and be known. So it's, it's being remembered, but it's also being remembered in the context of the situation. And there are, there are levels to this, right? So, you know, do, are people aware of your existence? Do, are they aware of your existence in a particular situation? You mentioned coffee, people love coffee, but are they thinking about what brand of coffee are they thinking about when they're walking to work, when they're at home on the weekend? with their family or friends. So now you it's not just about relevance, it's about being relevant in a particular situation. Correct. And the holy grail is being thought of and linking your brand to as many of those buying situations as possible. But the other piece I think you're, you're speaking to here, Gary, is this um, idea of you know what kind of ads help us get there. So it's the creativity, the memory devices that help us be remembered at the brand level Right. So thinking about using mm-hmm. characters, emotion, music, all these things that help Im- implant the memory for people. But that's not a space where I think many B2B marketers are playing right now. We tend to overly focus on features. Uh, we have another trend called the product delusion where people, you know, talk about here are all the things that, you know, our, our products can do where if we're not remembered or known in the first place, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exactly. So that's what I'm. That's the distinction that I want to make about relevance for people who want to start. I think it's a revolutionary concept to actually think about relevant buying situations. That coffee example you brought up, I think, is a good. Or one. hey, or a LinkedIn post with a video that is actually interesting that says, "Hey, are you a CIO and struggling with this exact yeah. thing?" We're just everything's so vanilla. It's like. Every right. B2B campaign is the same. I'm actually looking at a B2B outdoor right now and says, actually that's AirPods, I thought it was Airbnb. But like, you know, it's like every B2B campaign is the same. It's like, Ty, it's like, we're empowering your future. We're gonna make it, like, it's, come on, marketers. Anyway, right. Ty, we've run out of time. Thank you so much, continued success. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ty. Gary, next we're going to welcome Michael Roberts, who is the CMO of MetLife, and he's a member on its executive leadership team. He leads brand and marketing globally, and he has a very interesting fun fact as well. Michael is an opera singer. We've got quite the talent here today. We really do. Opera (laughs) singers, Olympians, I mean, it's it's exciting stuff. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Gary. It's good to be here. It's great to have you here. I mean, especially because, you know, I was at MetLife Stadium a couple of days ago. Uh, so yeah. I always have a lot of love for MetLife because of my New York Jets. Talk about talk about why naming, like, this is actually very funny based on what we were just talking about. Yeah. No joke. I'm like, feel warm towards you because you're the naming rights of my favorite pastime. And that's an affinity relevance thing that I think I'd like to continue yeah. on the path. I'm sure you were listening What's your take on that, yeah. Michael? Like, you know, am I am I right or am I over hyperbolizing, or do we need to get out of vanilla? Yeah, I I think I think we do need to get out of vanilla. I think relevance is an important concept, you know, for for B two B marketers to embrace. I, I also love what what Ty said about the the funnel. This this funnel needs to be set aside. You 100%. know, what I've found is that 
you know, the most important thing is to get consideration and consideration happens at the moment of need. And so if yes. you're not getting consideration at a moment of need, then you are irrelevant. Um, or if you're talking to people when they don't have a need, then you're also irrelevant. And so, you know, this is why, you know, I think that from what I've seen in the analytics that I've done is that consideration has the highest predictive value for sales in the B2B space. Like that's, I could, that's I what people are looking for. Michael, to educate some of the kids coming up the game or some of the people that haven't yeah. been thinking about this, what is your guess? And I know this is a guess, we'd all be guessing, but break, play this game out between B2B marketing versus being sales organizations. Yeah. Because you know, even in CPG land, where Pepsi, Procter & Gamble, the sales teams always got a little cynical view of the marketers. They think they're just putzing around wasting money. In B2B land, it's even more profound because you know, these are big contracts. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, what's your gut tell you that, of, let's say the B2B Fortune 500, the top 500 B2B companies in the world, what's your personal like, guess on like, how much DNA they have in sales versus how much they actually have in marketing? Are they 80, 20 sales organizations out there? Are they 50, 50? Like, what's your take? Yeah, so I would I look at I'd add another category to it, Gary, especially in the okay. especially in the B two B world. I'd I'd say there are engineering focused firms as well, mm. right? And so yes, so you get yes, you have this balance the, the SaaS the SaaS the SaaS the SAP in my in my building here that is a German engineered DNA business, right? And and you could you could take it out of just technology and call it product, right? So you've got sales, product, and marketing, and and I think, you know, depending on the industry, you're going to get overweight in one of them. And most of most companies are, are, are either overweight in product or in sales. And marketing kind of follows along. It follows product or it follows sales or it, or it tries to cut its own path and, and is, is generally not successful. And so that's what I think has created, you know, let's just do the same thing that the salespeople or the product people are happy with over and over again, you know, and, and not create any not create any noise. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see this, this vanilla. Um, but, you know, the opportunity- Michael, is, Michael is... I apologize real quick. Uh, Varun, I apologize real quick. Varun Tadparty said in LinkedIn, watching live, Gary will never see my comment. I just wanted to prove to him that I will. <laughs> Continue, my friend, <laughs> Continue. I love it. I love it, Gary. But this goes, awesome. this goes back to relevance, right? Right now in the meta, we're doing awareness. Yeah. But taking the microsecond to say hello to Amir Lamb or Jacob Rick or Chris O or Ryan Miller, like th things happen from that. And I think there's a huge opportunity within that. There is. There is. I think the, the opportunity, though, you know, back to your, your question, Gary, is, is for, you know, sales, marketing, product to create a go-to-market ecosystem. And it's not about any of them. It's about the commercial outcome. Yeah. And it's about how the team works together on the commercial outcome. I think too, too often the marketers are trying to prove marketing works. Right, versus hundred percent, and you know this as a CMO of such a big company. A lot of these, I mean, I always tell people like real life, like real talk on this show. Measuring brand is like measuring the value of God or love. <laughs> like it's it's it just it, I, yeah. I'm aware that you. Ha I'm sure your company and every company. I mean, every client we have has a mechanism, whether it's an internal MMM, MMA, Nielsen yeah. brand lift studies, interbrand right. rankings. And I sit and watch all these trillions of dollars wasted to justify and common sense not having a seat at the table. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key is like, yes, there's a whole bunch of these measures which are important for strategy or for optimization, but those aren't the measures of what marketing is delivering from a value perspective. These are the commercial outcomes that the business needs to see and marketing needs to take, you know, take accountability for their participation in the in the ecosystem that creates those commercial outcomes. And that that means that it's not about marketing. It's about the commercial outcomes and how marketing can enable it with with things that drive those commercial outcomes more and more directly. This is this is why back to your point on relevance, like, you know, consideration being being, you know, highly, you know, I would say highly predictive based on the predictive models Correct. I've seen is highly yep. predictive of sales because Correct. it means that you're relevant. It's just, it's just so obvious. It's like, it's, it, and I always try to break this down to normal conversations for humans. Like yeah. if you're, if you're attracted to another human being on first sight, there's a higher percentage chance that you may have a relationship with that person because you're considering, I would like to date that person. <laughs> like it's just the way it works. And it's, yeah. it's really, it's really fascinating. Talk to me about something that I'm really passionate about in building brand. Do you believe the biggest brands in the world or even smallest, do you feel like they continue to underestimate the power of you know, creative and content in social because we've all been trained in television and outdoor? Because it's so hard to watch people speak about social networks as like demise to democracy. Right. And, and the biggest challenge in parenting because everyone's consuming it. But then when we check into MetLife or Chase or Pepsi, we forget that those channels are actually dominating our society. What do you think is, and from your own personal view, I meant like maybe, do you feel like we're starting to rev up on the way I started this show, which is like making a ton of content for LinkedIn every day and having it targeted and make the content relevant to that target might be a better use of our money. Do you feel like that's starting to finally be accepted or be thought about or at least debated a little I think, bit? I, I think we're really, really early. I mean, I yeah. think it's really, really early. I think... We, we should be doing it. Um, you know, you know, these these platforms are dominating attention. Um, yeah. You know, and so and they're dominating attention with algorithms that enable people to find what's relevant to them. So back to this relevance comment. And Correct. so where's the Correct. best way to find relevance? It's in the place where you continue to find it, which is going to be some of these some of these social media platforms. And you know, I think I think it's it's incumbent on all of us to actually start to really understand the, you know, we we all talk about just as you said the social impact of of these platforms, but there's a business impact to these platforms which I think is has been muted in some way, and I we need to figure out a way to have that conversation, you know, even while we're still having the social uh, the social impact conversation uh, for these platforms. Michael, well well said. I'm wishing you well. Thank you. All right. Take care, Gary. Thank you, Michael. So, Gary, we're bringing Jim Stengel back up for another conversation. Jim Stengel is the president and CEO of the Jim Stengel Company, formerly the global CMO of Procter & Gamble. But he's also the host of the CMO podcast, a senior fellow at Northwestern Kellogg, a speaker with the Washington Speakers Bureau, and an advisor to many companies. Thanks for joining us. We know it's a busy day, Jim. We really appreciate it. Andrea, so good to see you. Love the earrings. Thank you. Hi, Gary. Hey, brother. How are you? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, so good for to be with you. I'm in Dallas watching. today, Gary. I'm in Dallas after it. the rain. 
I'm glad, you, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people got caught. Simon Loudon, somebody you probably know, yeah. I got caught in Dallas yesterday, texted me, missed a meeting, so I know there was a lot going there. Uh, for everybody who's watching, Jim is, this is just, I'm gonna give him roses, because I think we need to be giving each other more roses while we're alive These in society, is truly one of the iconic CMOs of all time in advertising. He uh, was the CMO at Procter & Gamble, which is obviously one of the biggest consumer goods companies, but why I think he's remarkable is behind the scenes, he's also one of the great human beings of all time. Just a gentleman, a kind soul, um, courteous, like every, I promise you, everything you want your son and daughter to grow up to be as a human being, that is Jim Stangle, and I just wanted to say that. Oh, Gary, thank you. Thank you, I mean Gary. it, I mean it. As we've gotten to know each other more and more and more, every time I'm left with more admiration, uh, and you're just a wonderful person, the way you make, you know, I'm very proud of the way I make people feel both through scaled content, but more importantly, the people that are close to me that actually know every truth. I find that every person I meet that knows you the best, loves you the most, and the people that barely know you love you, and that is, a, that is the great indication of a man, and so I wanted you to know that. Gary, I love working with you, your team. The podcast has been a great joy in my life, so thank you for that. You made me do it a few years ago. <laughs> I'm so, so happy. You were relentless. So let's, let, relentless. Let's, let's go for a few minutes on this. You've been listening, I, I assume, unless you were busy before you, you jumped on, what do we need to do to get these B2B companies to get more contemporary? Like, ma like stop mailing in a TV campaign, stop mailing in an outdoor campaign, stop mailing in a mail or print campaign, stop mailing in spending $8 million on a trade show, but doing nothing in the new contemporary lanes. What are you seeing out there, Jim? Gary, uh I was uh, I was at Cannes this year, Cannes Lines, a big marketing yep. festival. You know, it was back in force, as you know. We were there together, and we held for the first time ever a B two B summit, and LinkedIn sponsored it. So we had all the players there: Adobe, Salesforce, Intuit, uh, GE, Microsoft, McKinsey, Tata, you name it. And the issue, Gary, is actually very simple. And there, th this was the first year at Cannes where there was a B two B creative lion. So they were giving awards for B two B marketing. And the top one went to Sherwin-Williams for a wonderful idea about color. But the issue is the ambition, the standards, the expectations. So why, why isn't B2B as creative and contemporary and relevant as the best consumer brands? What is the reason? There is not a good one. Can we, can we throw, one, can we throw, can we throw one, fun, one fun one? I'm empathetic to the following st statement that for a lot of people, consumer brands are more shiny, right? If you're a very creative person, the idea of being the CMO for Starbucks or Peloton or Equinox or Reebok, because you know so many more people will see it, mm -hmm. just might be more compelling than doing it for IBM and H and all these great companies, but you know that it's gonna be insular, you're not gonna be doing the sizzle stuff per se, and that makes some of the talent skew that way that might That's have right. more fire. On the flip side, to your point, so many of the CMOs that Andrea uh, has become close with, you know, uh, play in B2B and have become some of my most favorite people and I find them equally as creative. I almost think subconsciously, they don't think they can go there. And I think that's a, that's a boogeyman, that's not true. 
that's the paradigm we were breaking at this at this session. But you know, Ryan Roslansky, the CEO at LinkedIn, made an amazing presentation at, at, at Cannes this year, and he came to visit the, the the forum. He basically said, you know, most of the economic value in this world to be created in the next few decades is B two B. So why yeah. the hell aren't creative people flocking to the B two B brand? Because the issue is consumer brands have begun very become very good at telling a story. Right. When I when you yeah. think about Apple, you think about Disney, yeah. you think about Tide, you know the story because they've yep. been consistent. They've been creative. B2B brands, many of them do not tell a story. They are, there's not yeah. a clear promise. There's lots of features yeah. and functions, but not a promise. So Ryan's call to the industry is the best creative talent needs to come into B2B. And the clients need to set really high expectations to tell a clear story, a compelling story, and treat their customers like human beings and not some sort of platform. Robot. Do you think, do you, Robot. Do you think, the, the, do you think the combo we've been having about these companies ultimately are just too sales DNA oriented? Also, I mean, all these poor CMOs, you've been in this game way longer and have more relationships, but I have a ton now in B2B CMOs. And from week three, they start already getting internal feedback where the sales team is shitting on marketing and yeah. they're, they, they're on their back foot before they've started. I think the CEOs of the B2B companies in the world need to really step up and understand this truth and put their CMOs in a position to succeed. Yeah, absolutely, Gary. And I know the conversation you were having with Michael just before, we need to get we need more innovation and attribution, right? Yeah. We cannot measure as as specifically as we need to brand marketing and the impact on performance. We're all about performance marketing because we can measure it. Brand marketing is suffering, the spending is moving to performance because we can't measure it. We need innovation there. And I've invested in a software platform to do that. Brand marketing drives results. We need to show that oh. we need more innovation. In I promise you, I promise you that I did not buy this because somebody cookied me on a website and they retargeted me. That's right. right? That's and not right. only this, if for people that know this, it's all brand. There is nothing else. Somebody just said, Gary, why do you keep grabbing the toys off your shelf? Because I'm trying to build the V Friends IP and even the impression of Major Moth right now becomes yeah. a brand story. I'm not cooking Gwen Wilcox or Fiona Sparks yeah. and retargeting them a pre-roll to buy a V-Friend. I'm building story. Yeah, absolutely. I was just, I just interviewed here in Dallas, uh, Catherine Reeves is the CMO of Illumina, which is a B2B mm -hmm. genomics company, B2B. Mm -hmm. They serve a lot of healthcare platforms, laboratories. You know, she said, you know, let's not treat our customers like a robot. You know, let's go to where they are. Let's tell our story. Let's bring them into our fold. Let's let's have them join a coalition where we're trying to make people's lives better. That's the way to think about B2B. And they're doing phenomenally well. I love that. Jim, I'll just give you the floor for the last two minutes I have. Anything that we didn't touch on in the first two guests or now together that might be something worth for the SMB B2B people here as a tactical thing, or maybe just as genre, even for Fortune 50, you can go the other direction that we maybe didn't touch on. I just think the same skills we think about in consumer brands, empathy, listening, creativity, dial up the empathy. You know, when we had this forum at Cannes, it was all about how can we be more empathetic? How can we listen more? 
How can we treat our customers like human beings? How can we make a difference in their lives? So again, Gary, these are these are principles in marketing forever, but we don't exercise Jim, them consistently. Jim, do you believe that creative is too expensive, thus rendering brands not having enough at bats to win on relevance? I don't think that's think an that, excuse, no. Do you think that's a reality, right? Because I think the thing I'm spending a lot of time on trying to get people to be able to, when you talk about empathy, to be empathetic to millions of people requires relevance to millions of people. Yeah, that's right, that's right. To, to do relevance, you need to do creative that actually speaks to the empathy yeah, I have for absolutely. you. I'll give you an example. I have equal empathy for the following two people. Someone that is born into a family with so little, little that they grow up the way I did, immigrating. There's a lot of, I equally have empathy for someone who's born into an extremely wealthy family, thus rendering anything they accomplish null and void because everyone will tell you you were born on third base. Those are two very different human stories. And if I'm a brand, B2B or B2C, that's trying to capture that conversation with that individual, I need two very different stories. The distribution model of television makes so much sense. It was what was our profound mechanism but I believe that the creative ad industry is still built as if that's the reality when all these platforms now give us the actual opportunity to win on relevance, but nobody's producing a hundred pieces of creative that are meaningful and quality yeah. against this opportunity yeah. per month, yeah. let alone per decade, because creative in ad land in the model that was built for television properly is too yeah. expensive to take advantage of. Thoughts? No, I do, I do think that's a paradigm, but I think what has to happen is the creative, the best creative companies in the world, and you're the head of one of them, need to be having discussions with these B2B companies, the ones that are going to create the most value in the world over the next 20 or 30 years. By the way, the next top 10 IPOs are all B2B. Yep. You know, we need to be having a discussion. They need creativity in their yep. companies. Many 100%. of them are lacking that. So if, if, if I'm Gary... And a big, big B2B company that is going to get 10 times the size comes to you and says, here are our challenges. You have a lot of problem solvers in your company. Let's come together. Let's find a way to share let's the value. 100%. And let's do great work. That conversation you, needs to happen. That was our takeaway. Love you, my friend. Okay, Talk Gary. Talk soon. Love you too,